Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastors Joel and Patricia Gregory continue in their powerful series entitled Dating Risky Business. Get your pen and your pad ready. Let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. All right, we're going to talk about dating risky business. This is part three. But today we're going to focus on men initiate and women respond. Two amens. Men initiate, but women respond. Right? And so men, ladies, you always want to wait until you are approached. I know it's the 21st century, but how many know God hasn't changed? And it's a reason why he set it up this way, and it'll be very clear to you today. So men initiate, women respond. So the first step in the process, all the notes you can find right in the Linked Up Church app, Version Bible app, just go to events, you'll see all the notes. I really pray that you follow along and then add your notes to these notes, because even if it's not for you, it's for someone that you can teach someday. So the first step in the process of moving towards marriage through the initiation of a participation or participation in a godly relationship, listen very carefully, is to evaluate yourself spiritually. So before you determine you want to enter into a relationship, first thing you want to do is evaluate yourself spiritually. Remember, one of our guiding principles here is that we are trying to be or preparing to be a godly spouse even as we try to find a godly spouse. So everyone should seek to grow in in Christ. And so what I'm saying here is the time to become a spouse is not when you get married. Mm. The time to become a spouse is while you are single. I mean, it's really too late to try to be that on the wedding day. So really use this time as an opportunity to become everything he outlined for you to be. So there are a few questions you want to ask yourself. Are you living a Christian life? Do you have a prayer life, a devotion life? Do you serve at your church? There's nothing more attractive than somebody serving for God. It's tough in here today. I said there's nothing more attractive than seeing someone worshiping God, serving God. Come on, somebody. There's nothing more attractive than that, right? Let me add to that because I know a lot of people have a lot of things to say about that comment. It is nothing more attractive because you want that to be from the fruit of them living Christian lives. That's right. So not to be imitated or not to be duped by an imitator. Well, that's right. the next one. That's the next one. Oh, okay. That's the next yeah, one. <laughs> people say, oh, I, he was praising God. He was in church. And he was serving and everything else. That's the next one. Then so then you want to ask the next question. <laughs> Are you growing and maturing in Christ? Right? Because, I mean, like, as she just said, anybody can come in here and do that. Right? Are you growing and maturing in Christ? How can you see that? What's the evidence of that? They start leading. They start teaching others. They're tithers. Now you can see their maturity and their growth in Christ, not by what they tell you, but by their actions. That's right. Another question, are you humble and teachable? Or are you a person that no one can tell you anything? You're going to do what you want to do anyway. Mm. Do you respect authority? Listen to me very carefully. I would want to understand what type of relationship do they have with their parents. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Right? 
Because if they won't listen to them and they raise them, hello, somebody. Good, bad, or indifferent, we're still supposed to honor our parents. Right? Then I want to know, do they have respect for natural authority? What's their attitude towards the police? What's their attitude towards government? What's their attitude towards any level of authority? Then I want to know, what's their attitude towards spiritual authority? Will they listen to their pastors? Are we okay today? Another question you want to ask yourself, I know. Are you responsible and holy in the way that you possess your spirit, soul, and body? Are you responsible and holy in the way that you possess your spirit, your soul, and your body? So if you aspire to be a godly husband or wife someday, what have you done or what are you doing to prepare for that ministry right now? Okay. Once you decide that you are ready to date, then look to God's word to decide the kind of person to date. It has to be more than you look good, I look good, we'll make good kids together. I mean, there are more cri- it's more criteria than that, right? So look to the Word of God to see what kind of person you want to decide to date and evaluate potential dating partners on those criteria. We're going to talk about some of that today. Rather than relying primarily on the world's treatment of ideas like attraction and chemistry. We just, I'm just so attracted to them. And when we get together, the chemistry is popping. I mean, you know, those don't he make good relationships. He can stay on the phone for hours. Yeah. He knows what I'm thinking before I even say it. We complete each other's sentences. Yeah. All right, let's get into this because we, we've got really a short period of time with everything else we've already done in the service. So men initiate, women respond. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, the Amplified Bible. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22 says, He who finds, so who does the finding? So men are the hunters and the women are the hunted. All men love a chase. And they don't want it to be easy. So he who finds a, what I love here, gives you some characteristics of what she is and who she is. He who finds a true and faithful wife. So two things you want to look for in the finding process, man, is is she true to God? Because if she's typically not true to him, she's not going to be true to you. Then is she faithful? Right? That word means trustworthy. So if she's not trustworthy to God, she's probably not going to be trustworthy to you. All right? He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor and approval from the Lord. So among the different roles assigned to men and women in the Bible, men are assigned the role of leadership. So there's no way we can put that to the side and say that's just not who I am when that's what God made you. The problem, the challenge is nobody ever told you that. And that's why he sent me today to tell you that you are a great man and a tremendous leader. There's so much untapped potential in you just waiting to come out once you decide to be what it is that God has called you to be. He would never make you something and you can't be it at its highest level. All right, so this is true in the church and the family. And so I have a responsibility to lead in this marriage. I have a responsibility to lead in this church. I mean, anything with two heads is a freak. Right? So as we get more and more into this, there's equality in the marriage. We're equal before God. 
But how many know in the home there has to be order? Just like in the church, we're equal before God. But how many know in the church there has to be order? There are not two pastors, folks. There's one pastor, and she helps. Everybody clear on that? Right? And when we get into this, you'll see this very clearly. Anytime that order gets out of whack, even if she can do something better, it never changes the order. Right? And once that order gets out of whack, then God has to lift his hands because it's out of order. So, so true with what he just said. Genesis chapter 1, verse... Let's see if you can open that. That's just of the devil. Let's keep going. Um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. In the New King James, it says, And then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, in that he made man and woman equal in their humanity. But just like Pastor Gregory just said, but he is a God of order. Mm -hmm. He said light first, then land and sea separate, right? He did everything in order. And so therefore, his order was established even in the beginning. What we've done with that is we, because, you know, how many of you know, <coughs> confidence is attractive. Confidence is attractive. Even if some people are faking it till they make it, confidence is attractive, right? But confidence is built on levels of success. But people will take their successes in other areas to make it something that it may not be in, in, in the area of their relationship, right? right? And so understand this, men are the hunters, but women, let me tell you something, nothing is wrong with expressing an interest. Nothing is wrong with saying hi. You know, some people, you know, a, a gentleman, she might have seen, it's, it's funny to me how we act so different when attraction is in tow. You know, if we see a guy and we're not attracted to him, we're like, hey, what's up? How you doing? What, da, 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 da. <laughs> but if we're attracted to him, in our mind, we are calculating every step that we are about to take, and we're having this entire conversation in our brain, and all of a sudden, we're weird. We get on the elevator like, ooh, he's fine, and then we act like we don't see him. You saw him. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with saying Hello. My counter-reference to that has been Rebecca in the Bible, has been Ruth in the Bible. They're the ones who said, hi. Ruth was a little bit more bold, but they did. So nevertheless, when we talk about the book of Genesis and how God set things in order before chapter 3, nothing ever changed. It's still God's perfect will. Right. And guess what? You know, there's this thin line between chivalry and misogyny, Right? There's a very thin line between chivalry and misogyny. But you want to err on the line of chivalry all the time and just let them know that this might be misogyny. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? A woman's place is, and a woman's place is. And women just get sh shut down and get turned off real quick 
you know you cook better than me. Why don't you just, it's okay for you to cook, right? That's where discussion and that's where equality comes in. But as far as who God is, he still needs order and that man still needs to be accountable. That's right. That's good. That's good. All right, let's go now to Genesis chapter 2, all right? So she just read Genesis chapter 1. So remember what he said about both of them on, in Genesis 1. What he said there is their spirits were created on that day, but their bodies had not been created yet. Their bodies come later, and that's all by design, and that all has to do with purpose, right? But he also gave them what their purpose was in Genesis chapter 1, that they should be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, right? So part of our God-given roles is to get married, have children, and replenish the earth with godly children because we really should. The world shouldn't look the way it, it looks if we were doing our part. Right? If we were in entertainment and owned everything, the world would look different than what it does today. All right, so now Genesis chapter 2, let's talk about when the man shows up in verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, Genesis 2, 7. I'm reading New King James Verse. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul or a living being. So notice his spirit was made, now he breathed into his life, and now that body became a living soul. Then the Lord God took the man in verse 15, drop down, and he put him in the garden to tend and to keep it. So right away, there's no woman on the scene yet. God takes the man, places him in the garden, and he says, your responsibility is to tend and to keep the garden. That means to develop and to protect. So all men have this ability to develop and protect whatever comes under their care. So ladies, whenever you attach yourself to someone, you should get better, not worse. I need a little bit better amen in here, right? And so what does that come out of? Remember, if he's never developed anything and never protected anything in his life, and then you take him, he, doesn't, he hasn't proven he has the capacity to become anything. All right, let's keep going. And this is why I'm going to tell you why you never take them prematurely. And why friendship is a good thing. Yeah, I'm telling them they're trying to see if they want to get to your iPad. It's nothing they can do. Oh, yeah. So we're good. Okay. All right. You all still with us out there? All right. So what was his first primary responsibility? Develop and protect. Right? So think about that, ladies. Let's keep going. Let's travel. And the Lord God commanded the man... Uh, saying of every tree of the garden you may freely eat so now notice with God it's always work reward right so if you develop and you protect you can have whatever you want you all see that you develop you protect everything in here belongs to you with God it's always work reward ladies when you reward a man and he's done no work oh! If, if he can get it like that and he's done no work, no development, come on, somebody, no protecting, no providing, hello, somebody, but he can get it, there's no incentive there. But not only in his external responsibilities, but if he doesn't see you as a treasure that, to that, you, that he has to work for to earn, 
If you don't see yourself as a treasure, you'll sell yourself short every time. All right. So work, reward. Everybody say work, work, reward. Then what, notice what comes next. And every man needs to go through this process on their own. Then notice what God says. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So it's work, reward, and then obedience, and then the consequences for your choices. Yep. So every man needs to work through that process on their own. Because they'll never do more for you than they're able to do for themselves. Mm. What's the process? Work, reward, obedience, consequences. See, kids make mistakes. Grown folks make decisions. Say it again. Push me out there. Stand up and point at me and say, say it again, Pastor. Stand up and point at me. Say it again, Pastor. I think I will. Kids make mistakes. Grown folks make decisions. And grown folks need to learn how to deal with the consequences of the decisions that they make. You all still with us today? Yeah. All right, let's keep going here. So now, uh, and the Lord God said, it is not, drop down to verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. That word alone means isolated, separate from everyone else. Notice what it says. I will make, remember we're talking about he initiates, she responds. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So now we're starting to understand what God puts together. Right? So when you have someone that has learned how to develop and protect, right? He's doing what God instructed him to do. He's obedient. Right? How many know women it's easy to help someone that's doing something? But how do you help someone do nothing? Or think that you are the reason or who God sent to help them get their lives together? Are you all still with me out there? All right, let me keep going because we've got a lot to cover here. So I will make a help comparable to him. So, so once that guy understands his purpose, he's walking in it, right? He's developed. He knows who he is. Now what he's looking for is someone that can help him in that, right? Now, understand, ladies, this does not minimize you at all because you're going to be so fulfilled in your role. God's going to make sure even the secret desires that you have will be met as you walk in his will and purpose for your life by helping his man fulfill his purpose. Everything that's in you is going to be fulfilled in that. No amens. All right, let's keep going. So I'll make him a helper comparable. Remember this, folks. Opposites attract, but they don't make good life partners. See, comparable to him means similarities. How can two walk except they be agreed? So the man needs to be able to communicate to her where he's going so she can determine whether or not that's something I can follow. And always remember this, ladies. Every man has a wonderful plan. I'm going to be. I'm going to develop this. I'm going. Let him do it before you make any commitments to it. Or at least be well on his way. Well on his way. All right, let's keep going here. 
So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took a whole slab of his ribs. What did he take? So God's perfect will is one woman for every man. Now, now remember this. Oh, Lord. It's tough in church, boy. Y'all been watching too you know, much TV, man. Y'all been watching too much TV. I, I said it's one woman for one every woman man. One woman for every one man. For every one man. These trilogies, these trifolds, these triples, whatever they're calling it now, men is not of God. And believe me, that's one of the reasons why men are known to die sooner than women, because you just can't deal with more than one of us at a time. You're not equipped to do it. All right, so, so he took one of his ribs. Everybody say one rib. one rib. So his perfect will for your life is to find that one and spend the rest of your life with her. Now, don't get in any condemnation, right? If you miss that boat, how many know the next one will be the one? Come on, I need a little better amen than that, right? Maybe you didn't know before, but now you know. Let's keep going. So he brought her to the man. So notice again, you see order. He brought her to the man. You see the order? So, so notice God will present, but he has to choose. So can I interject right here? Please. So number one, the whole situation with Adam was that God brought every animal two by two to Adam. And it was out of the unsaid desires of his heart that he said, hey, everyone has a match but me. And so that's when, after Adam said that, that's when God responds and says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a help me for him. So he took a piece of who Adam was and created woman. So again, women, you got to be okay with where he is and where you, you're seeing him tracking. If he's tracking on a flat line and you I love him, then be okay that if he doesn't change from this day forward... You're going to love him, commit to him, submit to him, so long as obedience to God is in tow. Because there are many a great men that just, hey, this is where I am and this is where I'm good at. And that's okay. But then be careful, because if a man's trajectory is high, be careful now. Uh, still, he has to be obedient to God because there are many a successful men with plenty of money that say they love God and are Christians, but they're married to their money and their careers before they are married to the woman. But don't get it twisted. A woman was created to be married to someone or something. I don't care if you've been single for the past 20 years of your life. You are married to someone or something. May it be the Lord himself. But many women might be married to a man, but they're really, on paper, but they're really married to their children. So the children come first. They're really married to their careers. So their career comes first. Some are really married to money, so they'll hustle and do whatever it takes to get their money. So it's tandem. But also in this, when he's talking about here that God presented him to her. Presented her to him. I mean, presented her to him. Don't miss that very small point. God presented her to him. In other words, she was with God. 
before she was with him. We can stop the service right there. We can stop the service. Every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer. It's time to go home. She say that had, one more time. Y'all need to point at her right now and say, say it again. <laughs> she spent time. God had her with him first. So with him, she was secure. With him, she had self-esteem. With him, she was provided for. With him, she had a right mind. With him, she was emotionally sound. And once he saw, because he didn't, he didn't just create her and said, here, here's an incomplete package. That's right. That's right. Now I'm presenting you to complete her. That's right. No, he, I, I imagine and I believe with all my heart that the whole point of him forming her, because he used a different word there. Time, time, babe, time. He used a different word than when he, he built man in the field, but he made her in the garden. So you're saying he, he made him out of dirt. He made him out of dirt. And made her out of soil. How about that? Nothing we can do about that, can we? So don't miss that. In this dating series, Risky Business, it is risky for you to think that anybody can complete you. He is not your other half. She is not your other half. It's two holes that make a complete circle. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly then, one plus one equals one. In equals the one in the kingdom. All right. So really, she took everything else I was going to say. Let's just move on to the next one. But verse 24 says, listen to this carefully, ladies. Therefore... Shall a man leave his father and mother? Right? A man is not ready to date until he is totally independent of his parents. It's a tough crowd today. I'm going to say it until I get the right amen I'm looking for. Until he's left all dependency of his parents and does not require any aid or assistance. He is not ready to date. So, so everybody wants to know, well, what is the right age? Whatever age you've left your parents' house and are no longer dependent upon them. So therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, and then verse 8 9. Let's look at it another way, okay? We're talking about order. Men initiate, women respond. When we don't understand how God set things up biblically, how many know dating is risky out there? You're risking disease, all kind of stuff out there playing around. It's really today, it's like playing rusher. It's gambling with your life if you don't know what you're looking for. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, New King James Version says, But I want you to know, notice the order, the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man. And I'm going to describe what the word head here means in a moment. And the head of Christ is God. So notice, everyone should have authority over them. Right? And it should be easy for a woman to follow a man who is following Christ. Yes. Right? If you have to bring him, if you're doing all the praying, if you're calling, saying we're going to church, I mean, no, he's not following Christ. So why try to make him? 
For I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. So in order, that's what you're looking for. How submitted is he to his head? The head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. For man is not of the woman that we just read in Genesis, but woman from man. Nor was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Does not make her inferior at all. It's just order. Somebody say order. order. Right? I will be the first to tell you she's smarter, better than me in most areas. But when it comes to order, I'm not relinquishing my authority. I will tell you our business manager is smarter than me. He has a master's degree in finance, business. I will never, ever relinquish the final financial decisions to him, ever. He can manage them, but he can't make the decisions because that would be out of order. So what am I saying to you, man? My wife is financially sharp. But even in the home, I'm not giving that up. You know, something you used to always say to me, you know, mind you, there's been times where he's yielded to my decision or, you know, in a situation, and praise God, we prosper. There's been times where he yielded to my decision, one time in particular, to something I wanted to do, and we flopped. But one thing he would always tell me, and I could respect that, I got that. Number one, I've seen his prayer, I knew his prayer life. Number two, I knew he sought after God. And number three, I've seen his track record, right? But he would always say to me, babe, if I go down for a decision that I made, I can live with that. But if I went down for a decision that somebody else made and I relinquished my leadership in that decision, that I can't deal with. And I could respect that in him. Because if he made the decision, that's, guess what? It's incumbent upon him to get it right. That's right. So good, babe. So, so what I'm saying here, listen, man. Think about who was in the era in the garden, Adam or Eve? No, no, Eve was. I read 1 Timothy chapter 5. Eve was in the era. But who did God hold accountable? So, so think about it this way, man. If God's going to hold you responsible anyway, then you need to learn how to do certain things and not relinquish the authority and the leadership that he's graced you with. Yep. All right. So now Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And notice, he is the savior of the body. The understood subject in that text is the husband. So trust me, ladies, if he is following Christ and he is, Christ is his authority, he's going to be able to do for you the same things that Christ has done for the church. And there's not a need that the church has that has gone unmet with Christ as its authority. Right? So it's really a position of power for you when things are in order. The word head, according to Albert Barnes in the scripture, is designed to denote master, ruler, or chief. Now remember, in God, there's equality. But in the home, there has to be order. Everybody clear on that? When these roles get out of balance, right, there's a psychologist, I believe it's Dr. Moody. Uh, he says something very, it's powerful. It's called the Peter Pan syndrome. And so when you allow a boy to grow up, right, and, and you give him rewards that he has not earned, he stays in what's called a boy syndrome all of his life. 
and he just hops around looking for people that will take care of him. And so this is fundamentally why, ladies, you don't ever want to let a man move into your house. Sure is quiet in this. You say never. Right? Online, type in never. You, you never. You're really emasculating. Right? And you take away his ability to ever become what God created him to be. Right? And let me just tell you how I've seen these stories play out over the years. Soon as some level of disagreement happens, she's going to take your manhood. Get out. This is my house, my furniture, my bills. Everything is in my name. You moved, Bounce. You moved into my house. And you don't have a right to open up your mouth about anything that I do. And that's going to make you, that's going to do something to you. So as a man, you never put yourself in that situation. I see, need a real good amen. Yeah, I, see, it, it seems, I said this last week, but it seems okay when you're in the beginning, right? It's cute. It's cute. But see, just like in the Garden of Eden, what Pastor Gregory referenced er, a little earlier, you know, the woman was deceived, mm -hmm. but the man disobeyed. Yep. He knew better, yep. but she was deceived. Yep. Same tricks, just different people. Same things happen today. Ladies, you just got to know today the enemy will, you are subject to deception. That's why there's so many broken hearts out here right now. Mm -hmm. So many walls up in distrust right now because we are subject to deception. The minute we let our emotions get ahead of Holy Spirit, we are subject to deception. And you know how you know you're deceived when someone tries to bring truth to you and you argue against it. And it makes you angry. And now you don't like the person who brought the truth to you. you All right, let me finish these statements and then we'll move on. All right, so now, it's true that these passages refer to marriage, but it's wise and right to set patterns that will serve you well in marriage. So remember, the time to prepare for marriage or to become a spouse is not after you get married. It's during this season of singleness, right? Especially if one accepts the premise that the purpose of dating is to find a marriage partner. So let's go back over the drill. When do I remember? In the scriptures, there's no such thing as a boyfriend or a girlfriend. That's just a boy who's your friend and a girl who's your friend. Scripturally, it's just husband and wife. And remember, if we accept biblically what his pattern is, then the purpose of dating is for marriage. And so, men, when do I start my journey to find? When I've left my father and mother, which is an indication I've found my purpose. I'm at least heading in that direction, right? Hello, somebody, right? I'm developing, right? I'm protecting my life, right? And make, showing myself that my life matters and getting my life together is important to me, right? Now I'm out and I can live on my own apartment, whatever it is that I'm living in. Now I'm ready to look at who can now complement that. All right? And so now, Scripture seems to not just encourage, but to assume that part of the growth into biblical manhood, listen to this, man, is to seek marriage. So this is a biblical goal. So you use your years of singleness 
to prepare to be what God wants you to be so that one day you can get married the way he laid it out in the scriptures for you to do. And this will be the greatest blessing of your life. There's nothing that gives me more joy than taking care of my family. Nothing makes me feel more of a man he does a good than job. taking care of my wife and my children. There's nothing that I get more mojo from, more excitement, more manhood, more anything than this ability to take care of my wife and children. So remember, he initiates when he's ready, and she responds. Amen. And the church said? Amen. Amen. Now, mind you, this is all in Christ. Yep. This is all no in Christ. All, it does not make sense to the world. Your secular friends, even some of your saved friends with, this, with that carnal mind, will tell you, girl, that's old-fashioned, that's traditional, no, da, 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 da. The fact is that the truth will remain in the earth long beyond you and I. Yep. And it preexisted us as well for thousands and thousands of years, mm -hmm. and it has always worked. Mm -hmm. I'm not messing with the formula that has proven itself over thousands and thousands of years. But also remember that even though there is order, and we honor our husbands as they honor, and they honor us. No one owns the throne. That's right. Your husband does not have a throne. Only Jesus is on the throne. I cannot emphasize that enough because over the years, women wives have taken that so far left, and that husband is on the throne treating her like garbage. He lines up when it's time to go to church. He'll go to church. The deacon. You know, and singing a choir, usher, elder. And she's, he's a man of God. She still has to honor God long before him. Mm -hmm. That relationship is totally isolated from that relationship. He gets to benefit from that relationship, just like she just gets to benefit from her, his relationship, her husband's relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Number two, pursue friendship. Pursue friendship. The Lord has mercifully called us to not live a Christian life by ourselves. We are supposed to be part of a community of believers. So guess what that means? Single men and women should gather. They should go out. They should have fun. They should share and minist serve in ministry together. They should have social lives amongst one another. They should uh, have go gather over meals and go to movies and all those good things. Friendships should grow out of the body of Christ. They should. And then in turn, functioning in and in turn results in interests that may flourish beyond friendship. And when they flourish beyond friendship, remember the world has falsely told us that it's a high level of intimacy that's required before the commitment, before another person proceeds to any sort of commitment to another person. But in the kingdom, a high level of friendship should precede commitment, not intimacy. So what that looked like for us as singles, we dated for three and a half years as friends. No intimacy until after marriage. Now, I want to really, if I can insert this very quickly, I want you to think about that. That means the relationship was built on not having sex. So our bodies weren't involved. What we fell in love with was our spirits and our minds. I want to tell you why that discipline is so important to be friends first. Because if you're going to last in this marriage, it's going to be the friendship that's going to cause it to last. Watch this. Not the sex. 
Right? Because all that changes. Right? Hmm? All that changes. All that changes. So now, I just want to use a real-life example. My wife is going through a physical challenge right now. It has been for the last year. So I mean, no, it's not as active as it used to be. So imagine if we didn't establish that on the front end. You know when most men cheat on their wives? Either when they're uh, pregnant or physically unable to perform. Right? And she's telling me she's never felt as safe in her life as she does right now. Okay? So remember, you don't build the friendship first. And you let intimacy get ahead of friendship. It's not a long-term recipe for success. Oh, it automatically comes with an expiration date in many cases. Now, people, we know plenty of people that have reset, that's, that have done the do and made it and married 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 60 years or whatever the case may be. It's not impossible, right. but it's far more challenging yep. than the other way. Proverbs 17, verse 17 in the New King James says, a fr- ooh, this is the one that I wanted to go to the uh, Passion uh, version of, and I didn't get a chance to do that. 17. If you could pull up Proverbs 17, 17 in the Passion um, team back there. I don't know how to change yours. They, they can actually put it up on the screen. Just ask them for it. They'll put it up. I did. I just did. Proverbs 17, 17. Okay, there it is. You can trust a friend who wounds you with his honesty. No, that's Proverbs 16. No, okay. Never mind. There it is, babe. Is that it? Okay. Thank you, media team. Got a great media team. A dear friend will love you no matter what. And a family member sticks together through all kinds of trouble. Now, mind you, we often see family member or brother as being someone that's of blood. But here, when you look it up in the Hebrew, it's talking about of likeness, of likeness in faith and belief. So, yeah, it is talking about blood, but it's the blood of Jesus, not familial blood. Amen? Proverbs 27, verse 6 in the Passion says, you can trust a friend... You can trust a friend who wounds you with his honesty, but your enemy's pretended flattery comes from insincerity. How many of you ever got offended by someone's honest comment to you, someone that loved you, and they just told you the stone-cold truth, and you had to go home and pray about whether they were really your friend? (laughs) But you knew deep deep down inside that they were telling you the truth, right? That's the type of friend that you want, and that's the type of friendship you want to be able to develop. Proverbs 13, verse 20 in the Passion says, If you want to grow in wisdom, spend time with the wise. Walk with the wicked, and you'll eventually become just like them. So therefore, it behooves you to be careful about who you hang out with and who you spend your time with. Even if they say they're Christian. Even if they say they go to church, you get, I'm telling you, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will send you that little check that we're like, okay, all right. <laughs> and, 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 you know, but, but you know, we, we lay it down. We sweep it under the rug. We say, well, let me, you know. But when, I love what Maya Angelou said. Once they show you who you are, who they are. Believe them. Believe them the first time. Yeah. 
So think about it. In, in the church, the way you develop friendships is through serving, doing things in groups, gathering. And what happens is over time, we start to look at people differently. Right? And a lot of good can come out of that, which is why we have a young adults ministry now. And so if you're 18 to 34, you need to get involved in that. And other married couples your age, et cetera. Because what happens is good opportunities are birthed around Christian environments. Right? And you get to see people, see their heart, see them serve, all of that stuff. You watch that over time to determine whether or not this is someone that I might want to now pursue another or deeper level of fr so, friendship with, with that person. Exactly. And so just know, there is no such thing as the perfect match. Never. Yeah. There is no such thing as the perfect match. I mentioned the red flags. Red flags are red flags, but then there are yellow flags. And those are the ones that you might not like this about them, but you know what? It's, it's not a deal killer. Because mm -hmm. you ain't perfect either. Yeah. And I want to just put, this, put you all on notice, online and in the room, those that may listen in the future. Love is a decision. You don't fall in love as if you couldn't help it. At least as if you tripped. You don't fall in love. Love is a decision. He said earlier, kids make mistakes, grown folks make decisions. If you made a decision to love someone that's lopsided or you made a decision to follow your emotions rather than your spirit, it was a decision and it will come with consequences. Every decision comes with rewards and consequences. You just want to make sure that the reward outweighs the consequence. Okay. All right, so we're going to go ahead and close it out right here, okay? So just some additional general wisdom about pursuing friendships, right? Now, the world, remember, you meet somebody, right? We kiss the first night. If not the first night, third date, fourth date, fifth date, somewhere in there, right? You know, that, My point that in saying that is it's typically, I think it's a 90-day rule. Was it 90 days? In the 90 days, you can give it up. I mean, no, that didn't come from God. It sure didn't. How many know a guy will play that game with you for 90 days? And then after he get it, he going to go play another game for 90 days with somebody else. All right, let's just close this out. 1 Corinthians 15.33, the Amplified Classic says, so listen very carefully, right? Because a lot of us, we pursue friendships, and it's not just with the opposite sex. Sometimes it's with the same sex. This is good wisdom for just my male friends, my female friends. You want to just be wise about who you spend a lot of your time with. First Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be deceived, the Amplified Classic, and misled. Evil companionships, communion, and associations corrupt and deprave good manners and morals and characters. So in other words, you become like the people you hang around. Mm. Right? Show me your three closest friends and I'll show you your future. Second Corinthians 6.14, the Amplified Classic says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not make mismated alliances with them or come under a different yoke with them, inconsistent with your faith. I remember when I first got saved, the toughest thing for me to do was to tell my friends that I had been friends with since this big, I don't live like that no more. And I can't hang out with you all no more. That was so tough, right? But the reality is we no longer believe the same. And what I learned was God sent new friends. 
Look at all these friends I have today in the building and online, right? But what makes us friends is that we're not mismated in our beliefs. So you apply that to every area of your life, right? If you go into business, I wouldn't go into business mismated with somebody, right? And we got to move on. So do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not make mismated alliances with them or come under a different yoke with them, inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership has right living and right standing with God uh, with iniquity and lawlessness? Or what partnership has right living and right standing with God with iniquity and lawlessness? Or how can light have fellowship with darkness? You ever wonder why just you and somebody just can't get along? A lot of times it's because you believe you don't share the same values. And sometimes they're close to us, right? Sister, brother, somebody in our family, somebody real close. We want to have a relationship with them so bad. But you've got to understand a lot of times when those values don't line up and the faith is mismated, it's very difficult to coexist. We just don't see life the same way. And how many know that's not personal? It's okay. You can still love them and not spend all your time with them. Everybody clear on that? All right, then the last one. Do not sharply, and I'll go ahead and close. Do not sharply reprimand an older man, but appeal to him as you would to a father, to younger men as brothers, to older women as mothers, and to younger women as sisters. And I love this. The Amplified says, in all purity, being careful to maintain appropriate relationships. Right, so all of us, right, we want to pursue friendships with the ultimate goal of making sure whether it's my boy or I'm pursuing friendships with the opposite sex, we always want to have the goal that this will remain appropriate the entire time. Can I get two real good amens on that? All right, and let me just give you some closing wisdom as we all stand on our, to our feet. Let's all stand up. It's 1133, so we're going to let you all out. Let me give you some closing wisdom today. Just be aware that friendship is no more a forum to play marry, married than a dating relationship is. What I mean by that statement is, in the scriptures, biblically, there's no such thing as friends with benefits. Oh, Lord. I mean, that's not biblical when I need somebody to go out with, when I need to get a release, when I need somebody to cuddle with, when I need somebody to kiss, we just do favors for each other. I don't date. We don't date. We just have fun. The light is in my eye. Just hallelujah me, anything. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. That's good right there, Pastor. Hallelujah. Do something. So just be aware that friendship is no more a form to play married than a dating relationship is. If you find that you are consistently showing one of your opposite sex Christian friends more one-on-one attention than all the others, whether in conversation or through invitations out, it's probably time for you to do two things. Listen to this. Number one, clarify. It might be time to clarify your intentions. And be honest about what it is that you're actually doing so that you're not confusing people. Do you want to add anything to that with your beautiful self? Looking just like a, more like a bowl of oatmeal with some blueberries in it. I love oatmeal. I love oatmeal. 
With blueberries in it, too. It's <laughs> if you're spending, no one's saying to not have one-on-one -on -one relationships, but when you find that that one-on-one -on -one relationship is proven to be consistent, sirs, gentlemen, men of God, please be sure to have a conversation about your intent of the, uh, uh, and, you, and the course of the relationship. Because she's wondering, what are we doing right now? So at every phase of this, I would tell her what I was doing. We're just friends. But You're free to see other people if you choose to. We're just friends. I will, we're, we're, we're developing our friendship. As soon as it changed, I told her, I am now pursuing you for the purpose of marriage. At every phase, she was always communicated to so that there was no guesswork involved. And then she messed around and told me when I told her she could go out with other people. I did. She went out with another dude. I mean, I know, Rick, I didn't mean that when I said it. I was just trying. I didn't really mean that. I was just trying to be clear. She talking about she went out with some dude. I'm like. But, but, but remember. But it if, was a group date. It was a group date. And, and if and we're it was really, friendship. Yep. And if we're just friends. And I haven't communicated any intent beyond that. There's no reason for me to be upset. Hello, somebody. So if in other words, women, ladies, daughters of God, if he didn't say we're exclusive, stop acting like you're exclusive. You may be blind, putting up blinders on the man that's really supposed to be with you. All right, let's, let's let them go, all right? So, so, so change... He got the, it right. He got it right? together. Right? So change the way you interact with that person. That may be something you need. Beyond that, here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Godly single adults will have to really work this out on a case-by-case -case basis, being led by the Holy Spirit with the under or the foundation always being that you're pursuing love and peace, Right? So because we decided we're not for each other, Christians should not fall out of fellowship and family That's with right. each other. That's right. We still should be happy for each other and praying for them to find their right person. Right? You still praying for someone friends. else. Yep, still be friends. You praying for someone else to find their right person helps you find your right person. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we wanna invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I wanna to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died, rose from the grave, and He is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name. Praise God, we are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations, we are so excited that you made the decision to get
get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, watch past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text Get Connected to 833-988-2009. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week, and we look forward to connecting with you.